Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Sports Shorts. Uh, we are here today. I'm Matt Sell. That's Dan. That's Ross. What's up, guys? Yo, howdy, man. Oh, we're missing our buddy Jared today. Um, and we're just gonna jump right into it. A big week in sports. Big big week. We had a uh, Sunday night football. The New York Jets' first appearance in like twelve years. Something crazy like that. Um, tough one. And really, being, I didn't know that. It's crazy. Yeah, NBC. There's this weird thing like this conspiracy theory among Jets fans that a NBC just hates us. And a lot of it is Mike Florio, like Mike Florio very openly hates the Jets. And so it kind of bleeds into the perception of a he lot of other coverage. Theory, yeah. He's that guy sucks. I'm actually blocked by uh, Mike Florio <laughs> because I told him that the only reason people find him useful is when they accidentally confuse him with uh, PFF instead of, you know, PFT anyway. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Jets, uh, Jets 20, Kansas City 23. <laughs> I've done that before. Um, yeah. And you've thought like, man, maybe this is good. And then you realize, oh, it's PFT, not PFF. And it's guys a piece of shit. Um, anyway, it does sucks. There's like one or two times it sucks being blocked by him. I have to go onto my burner to see what he wrote. But otherwise, you know, it's not really that big a deal. He doesn't offer very much that other people aren't offering. Um, anyway, Jets, Kansas City. Ah. I'm going to say, guys, was this the Zach Wilson coming out party? The I mean, was that Bengals game last so. year, the Mike White coming out party? You know, yeah, like, I still think Mike White's we'll a good see. Yeah, it, all depends. it all depends how the rest of the season goes at this point. But, I mean, Zach definitely showed promise, and he definitely – not the promise, but he actually showed some poise. He looked like he looked like a professional quarterback against the best, the reigning champions and something can be positive can come out of that game. And your defense is still awesome. Yeah. The defense was really good. Uh, the protection was really great too, which made a huge difference for Zach. And we'll get on to uh, the importance of protection during your free form anger rant, as I wrote on the running order for the giants. Um, but I thought Zach looked really good. I mean, that was the highlight of it. The defense held the defending champs to 23 points. Uh, and, you know, they needed some serious referee intervention at the end to prevent the Jets from getting another drive. I'm going to throw a curveball, and I'm not going to talk about how shit some of those calls were, although they were shit. Um, mostly because Jared's not here, and I wanted to argue about it with him. But uh, So maybe I'll see if I can hop on a podcast with him at some point later. So we'll save that. But uh, what I will say... Zach Wilson looked really good. The footwork was good. He made some back shoulder throws. I was reading, you know, QB analysts on Twitter were talking about how they've never seen his footwork look that good. Uh, just obviously some of those throws he was making were just Aaron Rodgers-esque elite. So I'm not getting ahead of myself because I don't want to get made fun of by Ross. But basically, um, I it's one good game. He's had one good game. He's had good games before. He had a good game against Tampa his rookie year. He had a great game against Tennessee, although I still think the Tampa game, but this was definitely his best game. He showed a lot of things and the trick for him is not, we know he can do it once. Can he bring it into more games? Can he get close to that level? Because if he's at, he doesn't have to be the level he was against Kansas city. Cause he actually looked elite in the second and third quarter. And imagine if he got the ball back one more time, I think they would have gone down the field, but basically it's just what I think is. Yeah. I just think that if he's going to look like that, I think they have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. Ross, do you think I'm crazy? Yes. But I understand why you're crazy. <laughs> It's, well, I said this to you the other day, the NFL is such a week-to-week league. And this time last week, you and every other Jets fan couldn't wait to see the back of Zach Wilson. And now you've seen one 
decent to good game from him. And he, don't get me wrong, he did play well. But this is one game and all of a sudden your enthusiasm is back up again and you think maybe we can make the playoffs still. And I it's, get it, but you should be, you should be encouraged yeah. by that performance on Sunday. You should be. But I think as a fan, I'm looking at it thinking, you know, that was great on Sunday, but I've seen 15 in a row bad games from Zach Wilson. And now I've seen one, I've seen three quarters of a good game. And that's why I think I'm not going to, I think none of us, and obviously yourself as a Jets fan, all of the Jets fans can't get ahead of themselves too much and you can't sort of jump too far. But I mean, he's got an opportunity this week. It's Denver. I think you've got Denver this week, haven't you? Yeah, Denver. So that's, yeah. you know, poor defense. He's got an opportunity to show something yeah. there. It's in Denver, which always, you know, suck. the Jets almost never play well in Denver. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I'm not well, saying not he's figured it out. Denver. I'm just There's saying he's Jets finally. So that's fine. <laughs> I'm saying whatever, motherfucker. I'm saying he's <laughs> finally showed some good film. And it's not just like, you know, throwing a bunch of balls up there, a bunch of dings and dunks. Like he was making legitimately good reads and good throws. So we'll see. But again, I'm tempering my excitement. I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm just saying if he can be near that level the rest of the season, we're actually, I would say nine wins isn't off the table. I mean, nine wins isn't off the table anyway with this defense. Like they're going to in the second half of their schedule. But I think, yeah. I think if he could be serviceable, then you have got a chance. Obviously, the only problem is that your division, I mean, I'd say apart from the Patriots, but they've already beaten you once. It is a tough division. And, you know, playing the Bills and the Dolphins is going to be, you know, to try and get wins out of them is going to be tough. So for you to get to nine. We did get one out of the Bills already. So we did get a win out of the Bills already. So there's that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. But then you lost one to the Patriots. So that kind of that kind of sort of equals that one out. But yeah, yeah. We're just cursing us at it. Yeah, so you got to play the Dolphins again, and obviously, I, I think the Bills plan away. I mean, they look they looked incredible on Sunday. So I think if you know if you're getting that Bills, and I think the, the Week One Bills and the Week One Josh Allen was a bit of a a bit of an anomaly, and not something we're going to see very much during the season. He just seemed to have one of his off games that he has, and you won't see it again. Although the Jets do seem to play him. That's quite what I was well. going to say. The other two times they've held him to twenty points, just about. So you never know. Um, I guess the big thing with the, it's funny, it's a funny division right now. The Jets own the Bills, the Bills own the Dolphins, the Dolphins own the Patriots, and the Patriots own the Jets. It's just, you know, it's kind of just like like a weird, yeah. Yeah. Um, We had a feeling that the AFC East was going to kind of beat up on each other this year going into it with the teams, you know, every team's kind of, a lot of teams are very near each other, you know, no team is like really head and shoulders above. I mean, I guess... Buffalo is the favorite just because they've been there the past few years. But let's be real. Miami's got a pretty electric offense, but they have some questions on defense against an elite offense, obviously. Um, the Jets have no questions on defense, but questions of quarterback. Uh, the Patriots, I mean, I, they they might be a mess now at this point. It was pretty ugly what happened with them over and, the weekend. Uh, Judon is out for the season, it sounds like. Yeah, um, so that's a big loss for them. Yeah. And then, you know, and I think, you know, Buffalo's going to be consistent. And that's the thing. Someone's just going to have to be great because Buffalo's going to be consistent. And if one team doesn't step up to be great, then Buffalo will probably win the division again. I wonder about the Dolphins now, though, because basically uh, what the Bills did against the Dolphins, and we can talk about that game. We thought this was going to be the game of the week, but actually it turned out Jets KC really was the game of the week. But yeah. um, it... it the Bills just basically stopped them from making play, you know, stopped them from uh, getting their big plays in, and they couldn't really march down the field. And sort of as a result, I mean, it's not if that's going to be the key to beating the Dolphins, a lot of defenses are going to be able to pull that off in the NFL right now. So, I mean, 
I still think the Dolphins are legit. It's one game, so you can't write them off. But that is a troubling concern because that was sort of the same thing you saw with them last season was when teams took away the big plays on them, even when they had two a back, it was hard for them to move the ball. Uh, let's move on. I think, I think they did. it's not even just taking away the the quick the, the big play. Sorry, it's taking away it's taking away the quick plays. It was the problem for the Dolphins on Sunday. I mean, two is. I think they said two has only been sacked a couple of times all season. And as soon as he can't get those kick, quick passes off, he seemed to really struggle. But that that's something the Dolphins are going to have to adjust to as a season. You know, they, that wasn't going to last all season where he just wasn't getting hit at all. So they're going yeah. to adjust to that. They're going to need to adjust to that. And I think, I think they will. I think they'll be fine. McDaniel's a good coach. I really like him a lot. So I think, yeah. Yeah. I, um, all right. So just because we got to keep it going, let's, uh, let's talk about the game that broke everybody's fantasy football matchups. Um, Seattle 24 Giants 3. Yes. Absolute <laughs> fantasy record this game was with the Seattle's one positive. Defense. I, I went into all my games down on tomorrow last night. One I was down significantly, and I think I had like a less than 10% chance of winning, according to Yahoo. And I know I said last week that the time change, you know, might make a difference, it might give the Giants a chance. But when I said that, I also went on my fantasy team and added the Seattle defense to both my leagues. And I made sure I started Kenny Walker and I even have Seattle's kicker in one of my leagues. So I definitely bet against the giants because I just knew. And then even after just knowing it still was the most disgusting, brutal, pathetic, awful, embarrassing. Did I say disgusting? I'm going to say disgusting again, because it was so awful. I is the worst game of football that might have been even worse than the dallas game that might have been worse than the dallas game only because seattle is nowhere near the team dallas is there's nowhere near the defense dallas is at least dallas has an elite defense that was healthy at the time that was completely healthy at the time seattle is led by geno fucking smith and and a good average defense we'll call it and they decimated the Giants. You know what the Giants haven't done yet this year? They've played the Cardinals and the Seahawks. They've had the easy part of their schedule. They haven't had a turnover yet this year. They have not forced a turnover. Did you see? I know we keep talking talking about the offense. No, we didn't. You can get to me a couple seconds on it. I know we talk about the offense every week on here, but now it's time for the defense to take some goddamn accountability. You need to create some turnovers. The only person on that defense that truly showed up last night and we're recording this on Tuesday. Last night was Kayvon Thibodeau. He is the only one that made any noise. That was nice to see him have a great game. And you know what I liked about it? When he got that second sack, he wasn't dancing like an idiot. He was pissed. He was pissed. And he's the type of guy who's a look at me type of guy. And he was like pissed. And I really, I did, I did like to see that somebody was pissed because maybe he can go in the locker room and rile these dudes up because that was embarrassing last night. That was the most disgusting display of That was Super Bowl 35 levels of disgusting and embarrassing. And there is a special place that that's locked in my brain, and this New York Giants team is the key to unlock that part of my brain. And that's what I've learned about this season. This team fucking sucks. Everybody on offense is not fucking good. There's not one good football player on that fucking offense 
when Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas are hurt. They are fucking useless at them. They may as well forfeit every game. They're going to give up 10 fucking sacks to the Dolphins this weekend. They're going to give another 10 to the Bills and then another 20 to the Eagles because that's what this is right now. That's how bad this team is. I don't think Evan Neal has ever played football in his entire damn life. Either, either he has a tell where everybody's reading or he can't use his hands at all still. It is embarrassing that he can get beat that many times. I can't even fathom how bad this team is. I talked to a friend of mine, he's 70-something years old. He said the worst team he's ever seen since 1966. That year, they gave up 72 points to Washington in a game. They gave up 50-something points to the Rams. They gave up 50-something points to the Cowboys. They lost to an expansion Falcons team. Like, they were terrible that season. That's how bad this team is. We're going back 50 fucking years. Fuck this team. Evan Neal uh, showing off Bryce Salvador levels of uh, traffic cone. Dan will get that, but he's taken off his headphones and walked away in anger. Ross, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take off my headphones and walk away. But yeah, it was it was such a tough watch. It's so frustrating. Oh, and it's it's like every week you can't watch it. You can't watch it and say that Daniel Jones was was terrible. I mean, it can't it can't be all on him every week. But it's just how how can anyone how can any quarterback even if we had you know Jalen Hurts out there you can't expect a quarterback who's getting hit that much I mean you could see that he was hurrying some of his throws but he's just how can you play like that you can't play like under pressure all the time and even just, Sunday night football Zach Wilson couldn't get that done yeah yeah it's just yeah, yeah you're right just, and even Peyton said it in the other cast he's rushing throws he's afraid of getting creamed back there. And yeah, but he also, you know, you he, you want to see your quarterback also work with that. I, I completely agree with Matt. Like I feel like, and I feel like Dable's gonna and Kafka are gonna have to start working this offense around his legs and just starting to do the Justin Fields thing from last year, just like run the same offense the Bears ran last year, because that's the only thing. That's the only way they're gonna win. That's the only way they're gonna score points. Get him outside the pocket, is, cut mean, the got, field, and have like you know we're in sort of year eleven. Year twelve, whatever it is, of trying to rebuild an offensive line again. Like it's not, and it's not like you know. Daniel knows this as well. It's not like they've not spent any money, you know, or spent any money or spent any draft capital. There's multiple, you know, first and second round picks that have been and gone from that. You know, they've spent money on, you know, Nate Solder. They gave him a Aaron Flowers. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to mention his name because it kind of it kind of annoys me. But yeah, him as well. Yeah, there's plenty. You know, Justin Pugh got signed back to the practice squad today. I mean, he was obviously another one that we. He's still in the league. Yeah, well, he's been out of the league for about 18 months, but yeah, he's back on the practice squad. So, that, you know, the good times are back. So, oh that's encouraging. Oh, my God. That's where we yeah. are. That's where we are right now, Ross. Justin yeah. Pugh is making us excited. I, think I love I Justin him. Pugh. Great player, it. but that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, it's just, but I don't, I don't understand how we're still doing the same things over and over again. And it's just, you know, you're sitting there watching that game thinking, I don't know why I bother. Like, yeah, what is the point in watching this? You and know why you bother? have got Darren Waller, and he's sitting out there, but he's too busy He's too busy trying to cheerful help the offensive line that he can't even get out to catch balls. So he's wasting. Yeah. We might as well just we might as well just get Mercedes Lewis in and just get oh, him to I, be a sick off his line and just help us block all the time. He's on the waiver wire. I'm I'm, I'm dropping him this week. There's just no there's no use to keeping him. There's no use keeping no, him. He's not, not going to produce in this offense. There's no possible way. It's no, just not, not possible. He was also my number two tight end in the league, so I, I can afford the drop. Travis Kelsey, well, my other tight end. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you kind of buried so, the lead there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really did. I, I, I cable news that one. <laughs> uh, um, you know, and, and and it sucks because once again, I still feel like we're never. We don't, we don't have an accurate read on how 
good Daniel Jones, I think, really is. And this team, do. and Mara said it. Mara said it in the beginning of the year. Like, we don't even know if he's – he can – he's still – we don't know if he's average, above average, because it, Mara said in the beginning of the year, they've done everything to screw up his development. They've ruined it. They've, I feel Absolutely like they've right. kind of ruined him. I do feel like the Giants organization has kind of tanked his career. He never had a chance. Never thought he was that good. It's, it's kind of too late now. He had a pretty good – he didn't have a bad first – he had the turnovers, but he he also did a lot of good stuff too. And he's kind of fixed the turnovers. I mean, yeah, I know Joe Buck made a big deal about his fumble last night, but that was his first one this season. I think he – what, he had yeah. five last season those, as opposed to the 18, the first now, two, whatever it yeah, was. a bit misleading because they, a lot of them came in those first two years. And obviously, it was a big problem in those first two seasons how often it was happening. I just don't but consider really, it as much of a problem anymore. No, it's it's really tightened. It's really tightened down, especially the, the two years after that. Obviously, I know he had a few games out injured and stuff as well. But you know, the the one that he fumbled in the first half last year. I mean, I can't again. He's scrambling to get away from three rushes that are on him, and then one guy just come in and whacked. You know, smack the ball out of his hand. I can't. I can't blame him for that. I mean, trying to hold the ball at that when you got he still does too much that stupid stuff. Yeah, he does. He does. But again, he's got no time to do anything else, and he's trying to move just to get yeah. out of the way of three people rushing at him. I know. It's tough. But it's tough. I mean, we, we would be in a better position if we had a better quarterback. But even a, t- a you know a top level quarterback was still struggling this offense the way it's currently the way it's currently working. You'd still see him getting rid of the ball faster, though. I mean, that's the thing. When you watch those top quarterbacks, they still get even when their offensive line is performing, they adjust and they get rid of the ball fast. Uh, he just yeah. he holds the ball. He takes off to run too quickly. He doesn't really go through progressions. He's accurate. That's his. There's best. no time. Those are his. Man. Those are his best attributes. He's very accurate. And he can run. Other than that, unfortunately, there's no timing in that offense because the offensive line is so bad. You cannot develop proper timing to run an offense efficiently. I mean, you can maybe, I mean, I think even if Jones did the most he could and he was like better, we'll just call it like, it's still a, at the best middle of the road football team. Let's be real here. Yeah. You know, that's where you would see the metric, the advanced, the, the, the advanced metric. I feel like, 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 like and just like like back your arguments up, Matt. Where you said it was bound to balance out, it balanced out, but not because of any metric. It balanced out because the Giants just flat out sucked at football. Well, that's like, a whole just other a conversation. Really, I mean, really, were, really bad team. Their defensive you know? efficiency. They were. They also turnovers are a really volatile stat in general. Like you can't count on getting turnovers at the same rate every year because there's a lot of luck that goes along with that. So defenses that tend to take teams off the field without relying on turnovers are ones that generally sustain that success a little more year over year. Right. And that's Which just statistical. Yeah. Uh, Giants relied on a lot of turnovers last year. They also relied on a lot of small plays and teams were bound to adjust to that eventually. Uh, I Listen, I, I'm not, I don't want to say I told you so. I'm not happy that your guys' team sucks. I'm never happy because my team sucks all the time. So I know how much it, I know how much it sucks when it's week three I'd rather it and be, you're looking yeah, down I'd, the barrel of watching like 15 more blowouts because that sucks. Like, yeah, I'd rather it be because they're losing the one possession games this year. And exactly. it is because the XG or the, the XG because the whatever the football <laughs> equivalent to that is actually balanced. The problem is it's just yeah. so hard to watch because it's not even it's just not that. They're just really bad. The team is not playing as good as they were last year. Like right. we watched them last year and they were, yeah, maybe they were getting luckier, but they were also playing a lot better last year. Like it just I was. Think, I think it's, when you watch that team last year, Dan, it's not like we were getting multiple turnovers every game. I mean, it took us, I think, three or four games to get even a turnover last year as well. And it started slowly, but, you know, there was a lot of 
but they were just getting stops and they were doing the simple things like tackling. Do you remember that Jacksonville game where we had that weird drive at the end of the game where Barkley didn't run out of bounds? And yeah. we've got McKinney like driving, I think it was Christian Kirk back from like the half yard line and making sure that he didn't get in for like a, a touchdown in the last second and stuff yep. like that. But they're doing simple things like wrapping up the players, forcing them back and make, you know, making sure they don't get in. Last night, no offense, if it wasn't for the fact that his knee hit the ground or, you know, half yard away, that three people missed tackles and him running down the sideline. Like, no one can wrap up. Like, I just, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough to watch. But I don't want to waste my breath on these assholes anymore. Let's talk about something else. Well, I wanted to ask, uh, Ross got to go to the actual Toy Story game. Ross, what was it like to be in Andy's bedroom? Um, it's not the first time I've been in Andy's bedroom, but this was better than the last time I was in Andy's bedroom. So was <laughs> How was the no, game? It was, For real? Yeah, look, it was, um, it's, it's fun. And obviously, I, I appreciate the fact that I'm quite lucky that we get sort of, you know, we get the NFL coming over to London. I'm able to go and sort of watch games live. And, you know, I'm quite pleased with the fact that I've seen every team in the league at least once. Unfortunately, yeah, I've seen Jacksonville about yeah. Unfortunately, I've seen Jacksonville about fifteen times, but that's okay. You know, as I said, I'm still quite lucky to have seen, you know, multiple games. Um, yeah. You know, a season and stuff like that. So it's great. And it was Sunday wasn't it wasn't a great game. It was a bit sort of scrappy at times because the Falcons are they looked. I mean, if we're saying the Giants look bad offensively, the Falcons are terrible. The Falcons of it at least with the Falcons at least they've got weapons. They just don't have any way of using them. You know, they've got. You know, Bijan Robinson was good. I mean, he did he did make a few good runs, and but they've just got Carl Pitts and Drake London out there doing nothing. It's a so I mean, London did London did London did catch a touchdown, but I think he had two receptions on the day. And you know, if they had a, a serviceable quarterback, they could be a lot better as well. But yeah, good, yeah, that's good saying. Lawrence. Talk to What's me Ritter about like? the number of like, London, London jokes. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, that was I think that was the exciting bit. And the, the guy was sat next to me said, "Oh, London's got a touchdown." In London, I was like, "Yeah, I think that one's been." I think that one's going to be sold quite heavily. So, that one's this... heavy, so can I, I have a few questions. I'm sorry, Dan, uh, just okay. before uh, non, uh, I want to know, tell me a little bit about the vibe. Like what's the vibe like? Cause it seems like when you send pictures, there's everybody's in their NFL jerseys, regardless of their teams playing. Um, like, are there a yeah. lot of Jags or uh, Atlanta fans or was it more just like a really like, tell me about kind of the vibe of the crowd in general. It's it's strange because obviously the first the first ever game in London was the Giants and the Dolphins. So I went in my in my Giants in my Eli Manning Giants top at the time in two thousand seven. This was in it was a horrible game and it was but it's it is more of a it does feel like nervous. yeah they did yeah they did that was a terrible game that was an awful game I watched game in 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 New York City I remember with my buddies at a bar you got we did we did a morning thing. Uh, like a morning, like beer and breakfast thing. And it was an awful game. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, it's strange because I go in, you know, obviously I went, me and my, the picture I, I sent you guys, you can see me and my daughter both wearing Giants tops. And I went with a friend of mine as well as a Colts fan and he was wearing a Colts jersey. And if you look around, you do see a lot of fans of, you, you could, I could probably, I probably could have picked out every team. So people go, but you know, I would never go to a Premier League game where another, you know, wear a West Ham top to another stadium. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. But it's just, it's more of a, it almost feels like a bit of a celebration of the, uh, sort of the fact that we've got it over there kind of thing. And it's not, I think sort of the, the bookies sort of talked about last week, but you know, Jacksonville have got this home advantage. I don't really feel like it's a home advantage. I mean, I was cheering for the Jags because my daughter finds it fascinating that they've got Jackson Deville who jumps off the top of the stadiums and runs around shooting out t-shirts and stuff. And she finds it really fascinating. So I was kind of supporting Jacksonville along with her. But 
my friend who was sat next to me, he's a Colts fan, so therefore he doesn't want the Jags to win. So he was kind of like, yeah, I'm just here just to watch a game. So that kind of, it does take away from it. And you do, you know, you do get some noise on third downs and stuff, but it's it's not as you'd expect. It's not sort of, it doesn't feel like a proper atmosphere at the same time. But, and the yeah, the cheers are definitely a bit more muted, but you do, you know, you do get lots of, you do get lots of fans coming over from America to come watch the games. I mean, I heard, you know, multiple American-speaking people in Falcons jerseys and Jaguars jerseys. So you do get people coming over to watch, but people like me, I'm yeah. just... I'm just going for it. So me and my daughter can have a day out and I said my friend came along as well. We can just go and it's just a chance for me to go and watch a game. But it's um it's a different experience to if we was actually going to go and watch the game, obviously in Jacksonville. And it's I don't I still don't feel like it's a home for the Jags, but they're definitely because they have this is their tenth year, tenth consecutive year of coming over now, they're definitely better supported than probably any other team that was coming over that have, that have come over on a regular basis because they have got a bit of a sort of bit of recognition in London, but they're still I still wouldn't say they're massively popular and it's not, I don't really sort of see them as, as London sort of team or anything. So, um, yeah. Well, I think the NFL does. As a fan sitting in the stadium, I don't, I don't feel like that, but the NFL is still going to keep trying to push it, but it's not. Well, this is the thing in the chat the other day, remember Jared was, we were talking about, um, I think we were talking about in, in the chat or, or, or a, uh, Somewhere I, I saw it in one of our chats that he was um, that the, the league wants every team to be profitable. Okay. Yeah. The league wants everything, and that Jacksonville is like the league's like one mistake. That's how they kind of view the Jaguars. That was like, oh shit, our bad. We fucked that one up. But there was a better place we could have put that team. So this is their way of trying to make up for. You know, the mistake that was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, okay, we're going to try to make them London's teams. At least London's like a real city, you know? <laughs> so that's yeah. what that's what that's all about, in, in my opinion. But that's cool. I, I think it's awesome you get to experience, like, the the, the league in a, in a way that's way different from us. Because whenever we – if we go to a game here, it's two, team, it's two, two sets of fans. That's it. The home yeah. team and the yeah. away team. So we get yeah. that. I mean, I've, I've I've been to plenty of games in America, and that's why I sort of I can, can sort of can compare. I know that I'm seeing like a completely different, although the product on the field is the same. I know that my experience as a fan sat around it is completely different to what I've experienced when I've gone. I mean, I've been to games in Jack. I've been to a couple of games in Jacksonville, so I watched the Jags. I mean, I must I'm, maybe I am a Jags fan. I don't know, but I have seen them a couple of times in Jacksonville. And it is, it's, it's very, very different to sitting in Wembley. I know, obviously, the, you know, the surroundings and stuff like that, but just the atmosphere alone it is completely different. But So I know that I'm getting like a, effectively a completely different experience to what it would be if it was actually in, you know, in America. But yeah, I, I just, I, I accept it for what it is. And I said, I'm just, I'm just glad that I actually get to watch a game. You know, and I've been, I've been most years, I did sort of, I was for a while going to every single one, but I can't afford to do that anymore. But yeah, I, you know, I get yeah. to go and it's, you know, fun. I get to take my daughter along. She enjoys it as well. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a good day, but um, it's not, not quite the experience you'd want if you're, if you're an actual Jacksonville fan, if you're coming over from Jacksonville. One last quick question. Better stadium for football, Wembley or Spurs? Yeah. <sighs> uh, well, my only experience of going to Spurs was watching the Giants beat the Packers last year, so that was really good. And it is, awesome. it is, an, it is an incredible stadium. But Wembley is Wembley. Wembley is. So you're talking about 19. Do you guys look at the? Is the new Wembley, Wembley have its own vibe from the old Wembley? Is it like the same thing? Or you look at it as two different things? I know we're I mean, getting slightly off topic. 
but I mean, it's to me, it's Wembley. I mean, I've I've okay. been to both. I've been to both Wembleys, and to me, it's just it's still Wembley. You still okay. walk right. from the station to the stadium. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's not it's yeah. not the same. But um, yeah, I'm not going to say Spurs are the best at anything, so you can't get me to that. Yeah, we're we're way more critical of our new stadiums than you guys are. <laughs> um, yeah, and and that's fair. And I I mean, I think kind of it's interesting because we get a similar vibe with uh, when the Premier League clubs come over for preseason in the U.S. It's just everybody shows up, and it's more of like a celebration and. NBC puts on these uh, Premier League like parties, basically. They'll go to a different city and they'll just have all the games on and everybody shows up in their jerseys to watch. And it's fun. It seems like a good time. I want to go to the next one in Boston. Uh, Jared has joined us. He is on mute right now, so I'll have him unmute. Um, We had moved on from Jets Casey, but we're going to cycle back and... uh, Let's give Jared just a moment to really. Uh, you really. Get some you don't have to cycle back. It's quite a right. What do you want to? What did you think of the performance? You were. Uh, you we're were cycling pretty, back. Yeah, we're cycling back. We already have a plan. No, for it's, it's quite a right. Uh, it was an absolute shit performance. Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. Apparently, he took the night off. He didn't take um, the night off. The Jets, Jets defense, defense is, is really fucking good, man. I love that's that. A second, that's angrier. the second hey, elite quarterback they've tamed this season already. He's angrier about his team's win than I am about the Jets' loss. <laughs> the, the two floated passes for interceptions were absolutely inexcusable. Why are you floating shit knowing how good the defense is? What, what are you doing? Terrible decision-making. Um, <laughs> playing the Raiders. <laughs> clearly. Um, I don't know if you guys discussed it or if you even saw the article about it, um, but a flight out of... Uh, MetLife had to be diverted because, or maybe it had nothing to do with MetLife. I don't remember. A flight had to be diverted um, because a passenger started profusely throwing up because they played a drinking game every time Taylor Swift was mentioned on the game. And <laughs> bad idea. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> She's the centerpiece. The She's bigger idea. than the NFL. Dude, I don't the NFL is so pumped right now. Oh, like, yeah, they are just like, oh my god, we are we are taking our billion dollar organization and combine it with her billion dollar organization, and we're gonna make this big kajillion billion dollar like union. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> she charges like a thousand times the ticket prices, and then still sells out those stadiums and has four times the capacity, wishing they could get in. Like she's bigger than the NFL. And it's good that she's here to finally put Travis Kelsey on the map. I think like just in general, people didn't know who he was before. It's crazy. I know. Like we all know who he I, is. So my wife did that to me and, and pulled that whole conversation. And I, in so many words told her she was absolutely out of her fucking mind. And but she's not, but she's not. But then <laughs> I then saw, cause I don't, I don't, go on TikTok because I watch my TikTok videos on Instagram like a real adult. And it was a <laughs> compilation of different people or different women saying essentially the same thing. Oh, it's so great that Taylor Swift is is doing that awesome thing, giving that guy Travis Kelsey a career. You know, it's so great that she's finally getting him noticed and all this and and I just, I sent one of them to her and I said, see, I knew this wasn't you. I knew this was you just fucking with me and it's stupid and don't do that. My wife tried to do it to yes. me and I just said, yeah, you're right. She did. Nobody knew, you know. Yeah, completely <laughs> deflated before it has a chance to take off. Yeah. 
No, I, I should have known better, and I, I should have reacted like that. Deflating. Wow. Okay. I see what you did there. Um, no, I, I. And then, of course, you have your host of memes. Like I saw one where the girl's holding the guy up, kissing the guy, and it says how Travis Kelsey kisses Taylor Swift. I guess wow. you guys didn't see that one. Nope. Um, nope. I will nope, say nope. Uh, it Sorry. was. We decided, Jared, to not talk about the refs because I wanted to focus on the positives of Zach Wilson finally having a good game. Um, it's, at a, the it's a smart level. decision. But, I feel like somebody else mentioned that as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? I got everything out in our group chat, and I guess I don't need to get it out anymore in person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, let's wrap up NFL. Um, my final piece that just killed me was Geno Smith tweeted out a series of photos, one of him entering MetLife and you can see the MetLife logo and he just wrote daddy's home. And Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I just, yeah. Oh, that's, wow. That's perfect. Nice work, Gino. Well, that, I mean, that was good. That's good. Feel for good. Jamal. He's had, too. I wanted to see. I, I feel like he's had way more uh, success as a uh, Seahawk in MetLife than he oh, has. Yeah. He had a few he's good had, games for the Jets, but he's yeah. had more success at a Seahawk period than he ever did as a Giant or a Jet. No, he spoiled. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he's again, and, go, and now I'm talking myself out of Zach Williams again, or Zach Wilson again. He did. Gino had a, a three touchdown game against the Dolphins that eliminated them from playoff contention when the Jets were already out of it, and that was when I thought he was going to be a superstar. After that, wow, yeah. raise it, raise it, banner! What an achievement! Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Is it safe that we could say that? Uh... Zach Don't even outdueled no. Patrick Mahomes. It actually is safe to say that Zach Wilson no, outdueled Patrick win, Mahomes. I guess we can't say that. I mean, it is it is absolutely mad. If, if Sunday night football was the first game of the NFL game you've ever watched, you would think that Zach Wilson is a better player than Patrick Mahomes. All the Swifties <laughs> left thinking, "Wow, this Taylor Swift has really put this Zach Wilson guy on the map. He's the best quarterback in the NFL." <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys see the other memes where it was like? Travis Kelsey looking up at Taylor Swift in the press box. And then it was Zach Wilson looking up at Donna Kelsey in the press box. Yeah, I saw that. That was good. <laughs> that was well, one of That's a good ones. one. That one was funny. <laughs> I had a kick out of that one. This is just the meme. I like how we have a, we keep, uh, we're talking about memes. Uh, Ross, what's your highlight meme of the NFL weekend? If you don't have one, that's okay. No, I can honestly say I do not have a highlight meme. I'm not really, that's okay. uh, I like. I like it when people post memes, but I'm not really a meme guy myself. Uh, Mine's daddy's home. That's just too good. Um, my, and my, it's yeah, an I mean, insult on my team, run too. for 110 yards. Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> good on you. A lot of times they come and go through my head. I really kind of avoided the meme thing, I think, after last night. I'm just kind of, like, not thinking about NFL right now. I got my anger out, and I'm ready to move forward with my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's I'm move ready forward. To watch, watch the Giants win maybe maybe two more games this year. Anyway, continuing. Let's move forward on to some happier topics. Uh, West Ham 2, Sheffield United nothing. Uh, as I wrote Bournemouth, and I had to be corrected by Ross, it is not, and I didn't I just realized as I was reading this off, I did not correct Bournemouth in my notes. So, um, very professional of me to say Sheffield United if I can just compliment myself. Uh, speaking of professional, Thought it was a nice professional win a uh, couple goals in the first half could have been more uh i did feel like sheffield played pretty well in the second half now ross in our other group message i got some shit so i'm just going to put it out there because i do believe it so i when i'm analyzing west ham i think of two things i think of how are west ham playing when they have the ball 
And how are they playing without the ball? We know that as David Moyes side, they're one of the best teams in the league without the ball. When they have the ball, it, it can be a little iffy sometimes, especially if another side sitting deep. And honestly, I, I still stand by, I think one of their best performances with the ball was uh, Sevilla at home in the Europa League uh, knockouts. They just, they had the ball pretty much that entire game because Sevilla was just determined to sit deep. And I thought they played some really good stuff and we're lucky not to score a few more goals. Um, I, I thought that first half against Sheffield United was one of the best performances I've seen them with the ball. And I know I got made fun of by Andy in our group. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Wait, can I just um, ask a serious question? Before you before you go into that, because I I don't want to ruin your train of thought uh, before you start it, but it's a serious question. Okay. So Bournemouth, what is that? Because I'll tell you what I thought it was as soon as you explain it. Go on. No. Um. So, no. I'm. I'm. First, I'm asking, what is it? Is it oh, a it's, it's a place. It's, it's a place. It's a yeah. So it's a town around the south coast of England. Okay, so it definitely sounded like a, a a town in England, but when you said Bournemouth, I thought that was like a British soccer term for when the game just really isn't exciting at all. And they're like, <laughs> "Wow, that was Bournemouth." <laughs> wow, that's a dad joke. I stepped away for a second and I came back joke. in and that's the first thing I heard. <laughs> so when you actually started having more serious conversation, I'm like, oh shit, this is not just like a, a turn. This is actually like a legit. Okay. Well, hey, it's so born, I learned something today. Born, Bur- like Jason Bur- Burnemouth. Burnemouth. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't hear the N in there. So that, that changes the conversation. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so Ross, what were your thoughts on the game and your thoughts on my bold take? Yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as say it's the best performance that I've seen. I didn't think it was that great in the first half, but I did I did think it was very good and it was very comfortable. It was very professional, like you said. I mean, these are the type of games that if you still want to be pushing for Europe next season, then you need to be winning. You need to be beating teams like Sheffield United at home, and you need to be beating them comfortably. I think obviously we, we did that. The sort of the build up play for that first goal from Bowen was was really really good sort of, you know, some one-touch stuff and then Bowen making sort of a late run into the box and the cutback from Sufal and then, yeah, the finish. Yeah, it's all, it's all really good. It was Ball great to see Suchek. Yeah, yeah. And it was great to see Suchek get back on the score sheet again and said, you know, you, his performances might have dropped off a bit or they have dropped off a bit probably in the first, since, you know, from when he first joined, but he always gives his all. And yeah, I'm really pleased to see him get back on the score sheet again. Um it, yeah, it was a professional performance. I think it could have been better. I think we sort of took our took our foot off the gas a little bit in the second half at Sheffield United. I mean, they made a, they made a few subs. They changed things up a little bit, changed their shape a bit, and they did sort of get back into the game a little bit more. Which, you know, it's gonna be, you know they've got to come out and do something at some point and go for it. So it's not yeah. a surprise that they did they did do that. But yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was a good it was a good professional performance. It was comfortable, and I said it's, this is these are the games that we should be we should be winning if you know if we want to be pushing up towards the top of the table. We're not going to be a title change or anything like that, but if you want to be pushing towards that top end of the table, then you've got to be winning games like that. So, yeah, pleased that we did get the win. It was comfortable, but it could have been even better. And I think that's, you know, I think Moyes sort of said that after the game, that we did play some good stuff, but it could have been better. So, I will say, I'll let you, you know, you both sat here and you talked about how Sheffield was going to be a tough matchup for Newcastle and we're wrong. But I think they gave us, I thought in the first half, I didn't think they were very good in the first half at all, but I thought in the second half they played much better. 
And I, I think they I think, were because I think, tougher... I think obviously what, what Dan and I were basing that on was they'd given, you know, they gave Man City a really good game two weeks yeah. previous. And, you know, Tottenham. it took, you know, Man United couldn't score for 65 minutes or so. Then Sheffield United equalised and it took sort of an 89th minute winner from Rodri to actually for them to go on and win the game. So obviously me and Dan said that we, we were Sheffield United were going to play well and then went and lost 8-0. Obviously that that kind of point wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't very good, and obviously we, we shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have said that before they lost eight 0 But yeah, that was kind of that nice. is kind of more the Sheffield United. Yeah, we couldn't have timed that any worse, could we? Really, Dan? But um, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, that was that was more sort of the Sheffield United. I expect sort of the Man City one where yeah, I think they you know like a lot of promoted clubs, they know they're probably not good enough. They know they're going to need to battle. They're going to need to sort of fight to stay in every game that they can. And in that in that game against Newcastle, they didn't show any of the fight they'd shown. In, you know, in their other games that you'd expect from a from sort of a club like them, but um, yeah, and, and those teams are going to have those those weekends where they they're just off, where the yeah. talent just yeah. might be too much for that one weekend. It's just bound to happen every again. That's why they're not as good as the other teams. You almost wonder with these newly promoted clubs, do the managers just tell them like, "Hey, you're going to get battered once or twice this year," and you know, we're just we just have to try to keep the rest of them tight and not lose our focus. Right. Um, yeah, not much more to say on that one, Ross. Do you have any thoughts on any further thoughts? No, so we've got we've got obviously Freiburg away on Thursday night and then Newcastle away. So, you know, if we could get, you know, a win on Thursday and obviously but going playing Newcastle on Sunday is gonna be a tough game. So um yeah, not quite not quite sure how I feel about that. Obviously it depends on sort of how many changes Moyes makes for the away trip on Thursday. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the lineup is on Thursday. And no fans on Thursday, right? No away fans. Because of the yeah. uh you know, because of the fate being thrown on the pitch at the final. Um Anyway, moving on from that, uh, yeah, I am personally excited about that Thursday game too because it's a you know earlier match. It's an earlier one. It's twelve forty five our time, so I'll be able to actually watch that. I won't have to be able to. I won't have to pick up my kids during it, so that'll be nice. Um, moving on, Spurs Liverpool. Spurs finally get a win against Liverpool, huh, Dan? It only took two red cards, an all time bad VAR uh, decision, and an own goal from Liverpool, but they got it done. Spurs got it done, right? Real real Bournemouth. That's what it was. <laughs> um no, no actually yeah, you know, much like yeah, much yeah. like what much like uh west ham a very professional display of football by spurs <laughs> they were a uh, fantastic squad and they deserved all three points and that's all we gotta say about that have a good day you want to talk about the var decision no, no, I mean, what are you gonna no, no that's obviously me being silly like what do you it sucks. It's a, sh- a shitty way to get a win that the fans have been waiting to get for a long time and it you know it yeah it would have been a draw anyway I mean the first the goal the 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 goal they scored was a really pretty bit of football um Liverpool were I mean were just awesome holding tough with nine nine men um you know and they you know they they're such a really just an excellent team there's a lot of fight in that team but you know eventually the numbers and everything got to it became too much and the Spurs were pressing pretty hard at the end and you know, and they got they created some chaos and got themselves a winner. And I was pumped, you know, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, it was funny because I, I was at a wedding this weekend. So I could only watch like towards the end of the match live. I had to go back and watch the rest of the highlights. So I didn't even know what was going on with the offside at first. I was just pretty pumped. I'm like, all right, we beat Liverpool. And so even like the goal they won on was like a, not even a goal, it was an own goal, you know. 
So it's it's like everything about the win was so fucking fluky. This is the problem. Kind of sucks. You but want at the you same want time, your win to feel good. You don't. Your win doesn't need to feel good. Just yeah, but, three points no, and move no, on. no, I'm still happy. We got three points. Away from I'm, not, I'm not gonna with three points. You, but you always want the you always want it to be a better game. You don't want the just like you you said with the the Jets over the weekend. You don't want the officials to be a factor as much. You know, and no, I actually I want them to be a factor in my team's favor just for a change. I don't <laughs> want them. I don't care about. You know, and it's and it's it, I, I think it's kind of it's, there's apples and oranges elements to it because there's there's like Dean Blandino comes out and says that is a hold by Spets Austin, even if it's if it's soft, it is by the rule of the book. The other holding call. You know, I I know alignment are taught the now block we're from a young age. The Jets. Now, uh, if we're going to talk this, about this, that, I'm going to say, no, no, I'm saying, there's, there's debate. Because they didn't there's, call it all game long. They set okay. the standard that that was okay all game long, state. and that's okay, the well, difference. So now, that's, but those are all interpretations, the point I'm trying to make. There was no interpretation here. The audio's come out. <laughs> this was just blatantly disorganized, dysfunctional, awful officiating. Like, like, and it's just like, there's no, it is 100% that there is no room for interpretation. There's no, oh, there's a little bit here or there's a little bit there. Oh, they call it sometimes. There's, there's nothing like that in this situation. This is just a really fucking terrible call. And that sucks because, you know, I mean, I, I, if I'm a Liverpool supporter, I am fucking furious right now. You know, so I and I, I feel I've been in that, and I feel like I've been in that situation from that Spurs, that incident with Eric Dyer a few years back. I think it was against Newcastle. Well, give, it might have been against Southampton. Let me give but, a quick summary on what happened first before we jump too far away from it. So basically, Luis Diaz score for Liverpool. Uh, they called a flag for they rose the flag for offside on the field. VAR looked at it, determined he wasn't offside, but the VAR officials in the booth thought that they had given the goal on the field, so they said. We're happy. Everything looks good. And then stick with the on the field call. And then after play had restarted, they realized that the on the field call was offside and they couldn't stop play again, even though they tried. So it was a pretty bad fuck up. Yeah. It, was, it was so it was so strange when I was watching it, because my first thought when when Diaz got through, I thought oh, I looked tight, but I thought I think he was probably on. And then you saw the replay and you thought, well, he's definitely he's definitely on. Like you could see from the replay that you know, the, the defenders oh, trading leg or whatever it was, was playing him on. And you thought, oh, okay, well, he's going to, you know, it's going to go back and they're going to say goal. And then when it didn't, and even the commentators were sort of, they just sort of said, oh, yeah, it's been confirmed as an offside. And I'm thinking, what, am I? You know, I, I genuinely wondered sort of what I was watching because I thought I could see it was onside. I could, you know, you couldn't quite work out what was going on. And obviously it's, you know, as, as more and more has come out and it's, yeah, look, it's a human error. You know, these things are unfortunately going to happen. It's just listen to the audio. It is terrible. And you can hear the guys, you know, they're sort of swearing and stuff. You know, they realise that they've messed up straight away, but there's nothing they can do because the game's the game's carried on. But it's just such a bad mistake. It's so, so bad. And this is, you know, this is supposed to help clean the game up. And it is, it's one of the worst sort of officiating decisions that I think I've ever seen in all the 30 plus years that I've watched football. And that should have been a really simple one as well. That wasn't just a bad interpretation. That was just two people not communicating very well and then saying the wrong thing. And it's just... Yeah, it's you know obviously as a Tottenham fan, Dan, you're you're probably alright with it. But yeah, if you're a Liverpool fan, you'd be absolutely fuming. It's just it's it's so bad. It's bad. It's really really bad. Kind of the perfect banter result, though. The Liverpool fans are mad, and then you can disqualify the Tottenham fans' uh, happiness. So 
for somebody like me, yeah, it's, it's the like perfect every, banter. It's, it's like, like everything they couldn't design a better result want, in a yeah. lab for somebody like me. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on VAR as a whole in its application? I I struggle with VAR a little bit. Um, I think VAR it feels like to me they're always looking for ways to disallow a goal. And when you're sat, we discussed we discussed in our in our other chat the other day. Dan, I was at a game against Southampton last year, and Aguirre had scored, and then I was sitting there waiting to see whether the referees were going to give it. And I've got Dan texting me from Boston, telling me, don't worry, the girl's going to be allowed. And I'm sat in the stadium watching it for five minutes while, you know, while the sort of the officials are sort of debating what they're going to do. And Dan's, you know, over the other side of the world in Boston telling me, don't worry, it's going to be a goal. It'll be given any second. And I'm sat in the stadium. You know, I just I'm texting Ross, like, don't worry, this one's going to stand. Like everybody said, like, it's clear on the broadcast this one's going to stand. Nobody under even the broadcaster does don't understand what's taking so I've long got, to I've confirm. Got, it. I've got sort of the people around me sort of in our area where our season tickets are, and I'm like, don't worry, my friend from Boston has told me it's going to be fine. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. But yeah, the whole sort of I think the I understand why we've got it, and I understand why we're going to need it, and it's obviously never going to. It's always going to be there in football. But I think sometimes the application is bad. I think especially when you. Again, even when you're watching at home, but sometimes you're sat in a stadium and you feel completely clueless as to what's going on. And you've just got a thing on the screen that says reviewing, you know, reviewing a possible offside or a possible handball. But you sat sometimes sat there like that great girl last year. It was over five minutes. We were sat there just waiting for them and there's just nothing. And it's just sometimes how they actually apply it in the game. And in the, again, with a lot of back to the sort of the officiating in the NFL again is, it's the, it's the lack of consistency that really gets you sometimes. You think sometimes you'll see a decision one week that VAR will give and another week VAR won't give it. And you kind of think, I, I, I get, you know, some of it is interpretation. Different people might interpret the rules slightly differently. But that's that's the difficult part for me is that you're watching, you know, you're watching the same decision happen two weeks apart and it's the different results to give. And that's and that's where it's tough. But yeah, the, the, the Tottenham-Liverpool thing was just... Uh, that's the worst. just a seen. terrible, terrible mistake. Yeah, and that's just... That's just yeah, that's just terrible communication from the people doing it, and the audio that's come out is, you know, you can hear they've made a mistake, but it just, it's, it's just terrible to listen to. They've, they've really, really messed up. I have a question for you. Why does soccer not do officiating like rugby, where you could hear the whole conversation and you can because, hear what they're talking about? Like, I feel like it just creates such a higher level of accountability that the rugby yeah, it does. It, have it, to it's, do. It's to to bring that culture and to bring that rugby culture into football would be would be incredible and it would be great if you could you know you could listen to what a referee is saying and but you know you can watch you watch the rugby world cup at the moment and you're seeing sort of you know courtney laws will go over to the referee and the referee will say this is what's happening courtney laws goes okay ref yeah okay and last question the ref said that's my decision it's final and he walks away and but you wouldn't you could never get that that's that's been rugby culture for years and years and years and that's that's how it should be in all sports but what yeah, you get football too yeah yeah, but what you I get, agree. you know, in football over here is you just get people swearing at the refs, and you know they couldn't they couldn't broadcast it because it would just be, you know, swear words and and yeah, you couldn't you couldn't broadcast that stuff. But yeah, if if they could get that rugby culture, and it would be better. But unfortunately, I don't think it's ever they're ever going to be able to get that into football now. But yeah, it should be it should be the way. It's hard to because sounds there's a lot like of bonus... awesome pay per view footage, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> nothing but swearing at the refs and and all kinds of craziness. Oh, that. I mean, pay-per-view pay-per-view footage in yeah. America. That's how we People get Jared into European sports. He hears pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think VAR is a great idea, but for me, it's you're just adding another layer of human error on top of the existing layer of human error. 
And it's a more frustrating layer of human error because the goal happens. You can't celebrate. I mean, Mikel Antonio says he stopped doing his uh, unique goal celebrations because of VAR, which sucks. It's bad yeah. for the game. Okay. Love that. Uh, scored at Tottenham and humps the air. That's great. It's great stuff. We miss that. Uh, <laughs> so it's just stuff like that. I mean, for me, I would like to see, I would actually love to see the whole idea of like clear and obvious fouls, you know, all these things, just scrap that, go to an automated offside system and call that a day. Because at least offside is the one thing that, except in this instance, should be pretty black and white. You know, you decide what the, you decide what the limit is. And if it's a centimeter more than that, then it's a centimeter more than that. Jared, you're raising your hand like it's a classroom. Go ahead. I just, I, I figured you could finish your thought. I didn't want to speak over your thought, but how is it that like in the age of all the advanced wearables that we have, smart watches, you know, fitness trackers, all this other stuff, football has the, all the tracking and, and advanced like, diagnostics, I guess you could call it, whatever mm-hmm. that is in their shoulder pads. How is there not like a, a wearable system for just that, the automated offsides? How do they not have something like that at a professional well, they do. sports they, level? They had it at the World Cup. They had it automated offsides. Italy uses right now. Italy uses it right now in Syria and it works pretty well. Um, and also they do have wearables for tracking like GPS and all of that. But the technology is there. The Premier League voted against using it. Um, uh, we do okay. We do have to start wrapping up. So I want to... Uh, Anything you anything burning on you guys at this moment, Dan? Any thoughts on VAR before we begin our wrap up? Yeah, VAR, it's a big deal. <laughs> VAR, I, it's it's my that's my thing. I don't think the technology in itself is inherently bad. I just think, in reality, what you're actually doing is just adding another layer of human error that, in turn, kind of makes things more frustrating. When just they get a lot of, yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of intelligent people at VAR, and I really appreciate the hard work they put in to uh, to help me make sure that the uh, games are called correctly and the correct team wins every single time. And I'm, re- I'm just a big salute to to those boys up, up yeah. there in London. They're fantastic, fantastic crew, right? Do they hub in London? Is that like the India NFL where they hub in one place, or are they all at the actual grounds? How's that work? No, they do. They do have an office that they okay. talk back to as well. But they are they have got people in the stadium as well. Okay. okay. Yeah, well, they're fantastic. If you go, Dan, if you yeah. go, there's a big uh, VAR screen on the side, and it's all labeled, and everybody stays away from it. And uh, yeah. Um, so if there's if there's VAR adding human, the the human error factor on top of the normal human error factor, should we anticipate uh, that kind of stuff coming into the NFL where they can continue to have very excellent holding calls made at the end of a game or is that not coming we're not going to have that we're not going to talk about that um i just want to before we wrap up i just got a tweet from the pat mcafee show aaron Rodgers casually calls travis kelsey mr pfizer while talking about how the jets limited him on sunday night so uh good stuff that's my quarterback i guess ross that gets onto the bullet point you wanted to discuss but i don't want to discuss so anyway um <laughs> Devils undefeated in the preseason. Um, Mets have yeah. a new president of baseball operations, and I think we should do more on that at some point because you grew up a Mets fan. That's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, a couple. I'll take just a couple of quick takes before I go on each of those. Um, the Devils are undoubtedly I, my pick to win the Metropolitan Division. There's nothing but good vibes in that team. 
and they're going to outscore everybody. But we'll see how they do in the playoffs. They're going to have to make a trade for a goalie. Um, we talk about this all the time. We know this. And don't know how I feel about the uh, how they handled the Bucks show while they're firing. Very um, old Mets-ish there, how they handled his release. But I understand why we're doing it, and I hope. The next guy they bring in to be awesome. Um, as a Mets fan, I selfishly would love to see Don Mattingly win his first World Series in blue and orange. Oh my God, Yankee fans would hate it. That'd be pretty and funny. Good Stein luck to your Orioles. Good luck to your Orioles in the playoffs, Jared. I'm pulling for them. I was going to say, but in the meantime, since you can't root for blue and orange in the postseason, you can root for black and orange in the postseason. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon you for the uh, for the playoffs, Jared. I hope you don't mind. I like it. We're I'm, all jumping I'm on the Orioles right. bandwagon. Yeah, um, it's his Orioles story. Final reply to Aaron Rodgers, a real zinger from the guy who took a $33.7 million pay cut to help out the heir of the Johnson & Johnson fortune. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> all right, well, on that note, uh, that's Dan, that's Ross, that's Jared, I'm Matt. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Later. Later.